Ladies and gentlemen. several weeks I've been talking about on this show how a drink that Jeff suggested I try has been my drink of choice coming into the show, which is uh, mixing it in with uh, some peach whiskey. Tonight, I'm trying some pina colada crush mixed with the peach whiskey. I have to say it's even smoother than the other stuff. However, there's just some mixes you just should not do. Like, my wife went out drinking about a week ago and she had some crown royal apple mixed with seven up which sounds amazing really it does the problem is the next day she said you know jack daniels has a new tennessee apple maybe i should try mixing that with seven up and i cringed and i groaned and i grimaced and i looked at her and said are you kidding me you don't mix jack daniels with anything i don't care if it's Jack Daniels Tennessee Apple, I don't care if it's Tennessee Honey, I don't care if it's uh, the Winter Jack. The only thing that should ever be in your Jack Daniels, and this is only with some exception, is a little bit of ice. Um, but mostly it should just be neat. That's what Jack, what Jack Daniels is meant to be drank. What isn't neat, speaking of bad mixes, is ending your biggest pay-per-view of the year with a lame duck champion. I understand that Sammy Callahan won the world title a few days later, and he'll be the world champion tomorrow night when he's off the air. However, Brian Cage's title reign was a disaster, and for him to deserve to leave not only Slammiversary, but also fucking bound for glory as a TNA world champion is laughable. I can't say the result of the match was bad necessarily because the result of the, of the match fit the entire story. Brian Cage had been that match, but the story was told poorly. And now, of course, you want to have a big impact on your big, sh- your big relaunch of your show. But really, Brian Cage leaving Bound for Glory as World Heavyweight Champion... What put a bit of a sour taste in my mouth simply because I knew it couldn't last and I knew it wasn't deserved. How did you feel about it, Jeff? I, I agree. I thought Sammy Callahan should have won it there, but unfortunately, with the way that um, wrestling companies book, you can't. They they never let the bad guy win a storyline like that, ever. So it. I mean it. It was kind of predictable. I mean, I'll be honest, that match might have been really close to probably the best match on the night, um, which is not saying a lot. But it um, <laughs> it actually it, it wasn't a horrible match. I liked Sammy Callahan's. I, I, I forget because I don't watch Impact, and he, since he's not on MLW, just how great Sammy Callahan is. His promo leading up to that match, and then his the way he worked during that match was it was it was amazing. It was amazing to watch him work. Yeah, I, I don't I don't even question the night or not. I don't, I don't have any question. I think. I, and the and only I, even ladder tag match, the impact disaster from start to finish. The people who have stole the show. One of them laid on the on the ninety um, percent of the match, and the other one kept missing spots left and right. And it, it wasn't that he was missing spots. It's the fact that the way that the spots were set up was so poorly done that he had to look like he was in slow motion just to get them done. The way that they placed those ladders when he tried to jump up on the ladder, uh, you know, to go over the uh, 
when he was going to hit uh, the guy on the table, uh, Daga on the table, when uh, Austin went up to, to kind of hurdle that ladder. And there were since a couple other instances where he went to do some just ridiculous move, and because of the way the ladder we couldn't get it done. I really lost interest in, in this show. I mean, I, I saw Reeve, and again, who was watching? I are watching a different show than other people are when we when we watch some of these. You know, well, I mean, you you and I really are bands of impact. But I think sometimes you know their stuff is is maybe better than people are expecting, so it gets overrated. Um, and maybe I, maybe that's the case. Maybe people aren't really into the storylines like we are and into the what's going on. But I just, from top to bottom, this was just... Like, why was it a gauntlet match? Every gauntlet match I've ever known is a two wrestlers go at each other until one gets defeated, then the next one comes down. It's not a battle royal that turns into a one-on-one match. How was that a gauntlet match? That's always been the gauntlet in, T- in a TNA slash Impact, though. Always. It's dumb. That's dumb. How Chris, that's I hate how, it. Uh, Chris or uh, Ken Shamrock won the world title in the first place. Was it one of yeah, those type of matches? They didn't call it a gauntlet match then. They, they yeah, called they it what it was—a a battle royal until there were two competitors remaining. No, they called it a gauntlet match. Did they? It's stupid. <laughs> it's just stupid. Um, I the Taya Valkyrie is amazing, but Tennille Dashwood can bring down any match she's in. Um, I, I, not, not only is Taya Valkyrie amazing, but she looked amazing in this match, too. Oh, yes, she did. Um, I did like the Rob Van Dam heel turn, but I kind of want to see where it goes. Michael Elgin at times looks like he's in slow motion. Have you noticed that? There, like, There's times that he sets up for a move to happen way before it's supposed to happen, and he just kind of stands there waiting for it. And then he sells it in the slowest motion possible. It's called building drama. It's not building drama when you punch somebody and then stand there for 30 seconds waiting to get kicked in the face. Ah, okay. And Well, not 30 seconds, but you know, four seconds of standing there waiting to get kicked in the face. That's not building drama. It, the, it, it's just, it does that I noticed about his movement that was clunky and it was almost like not i don't want to say that their timing was off because it's not the first time i've seen this in a michael elgin match i just think that's michael elgin i just think that he is that plodding guy who doesn't really understand timing so he kind of gets to moves before he's supposed to get to moves kind of like we talked about with the um you know at the end of uh all out when uh Adam Page screwed up that ending by not taking his time. Michael Elgin seems to rush into the next move without letting it breathe. Michael Elgin is that video game character who he gets hit a few times and starts swimming sluggishly, and then he somehow gets like some of that special fruit that overpowers him, and then he's moving like super super fast when he's you know until that slows down, and then he's back to normal speed. But his normal speed is not, he just, his timing, and it's not just, like I said, it's not just against Marifuji. I mean, I get it. Marifuji is first time they've ever worked together. There's a language and so on and so on and so on. But I've seen him perform like this against other people. I saw him perform like this um, in Brian Cage. I saw it the couple of times I saw him in New Japan and, of course, in, in Ring of Honor. I just, he does not understand timing. Yeah, he's a big scary dude, and to a live audience, it probably doesn't look as obvious it does as it does on TV. But on TV, he is not—he's not smooth at all. Yeah, I, I guess that's a fair point. I've, I've always enjoyed his matches, but I—but I—I think I guess I equivalent equivalent to him would be like if you listen to like Willie Nelson sing, he's always a little bit off tune. You know, right? He's he's off he's off that. He's like one beat off when he's singing. Um, and I think Elgin's kind of that same way in, in the ring. And it, it doesn't bug me because it bring, it makes it makes, he's bringing something different to the table. Um, but I can, see, I can certainly see where it, where it bugs somebody. I think the reason it bugs me is because it's not a real fight. I mean, he's, he's trying to be this big badass that's um, you know, looking for a real fight. And then he stands there awkwardly waiting to get punched. It just—I think that's the part that bugs me about it. Okay. Yeah, but regardless, I mean, I, the show itself, it. 
the storylines, I mean, I can see some goodness coming out of this. Finally, read a Tinel Dashwood so Ty can go on to something else. Um, I, I like Ace Austin. Yeah, I like Ace Austin as as the X Division champion. I think that's going to play into his character perfectly. And it sets up for a hell of a feud to continue between him and Eddie Edwards since Eddie won the gauntlet match. You know, yeah, interestingly, if you know, I don't know if you watched um, This Is Impact, but they announced that one of the matches... Well, actually, well, first of all, we just mentioned Mirafuji. So Mirafuji is taking on um, Josh Alexander on tomorrow night's Impact. Oh, that'll be fun. And then also, um, the uh, Eddie Ever- Eddie Edwards is, t- is taking on uh, Ace Austin. They didn't say it was for the X Division title or anything. They just they just said they were having a match. I don't know. They've been having the feud of the last few months, so I kind of want to see it continue. Um, are are they going live on Axis tomorrow? No, because the the because like I said, Sammy's already won the world championship. Oh, okay. Oh, and that's going to air tomorrow night. You, you don't care about spoilers, so I mentioned it, and it was. But I saw it on Twitter yesterday. And I was so I, I ended up getting spoiled on it, unfortunately. So that's going to end up on on their show tomorrow night. Then are they are they going to start broadcasting Tuesdays? I believe so. Yeah. We we're almost there. Then we're almost to our wrestling every single day of the week. We are. <laughs> Yeah, Brian Cage. Just, it, it, it's Cage defending the the title in a in a steel cage against Sammy Callahan tomorrow night on Impact, and Sammy leaves with the championship. So very happy okay. for my boy Sammy. You know, as you know, he's my favorite wrestler on the planet. So very happy that he's now the world champion. But I just I just think he's and and I and I understand it's it's also like a big stage because it's her first television show on Access. But at the same time, it was taped. People already know what happened. Um, I hate when they, I hate when company, wrestling companies spoil things on their own. Like WWE did a few years ago when uh, Alberto Del Rio beat Big Show for the championship. You know, I think we talked about that on our previous show. Um, uh, we did at some point. <laughs> but I'll, at the same time, I mean, it's going to get eyes on their. You know, people. You know, there's other people like me and you that are big Sammy Callahan fans. So it's going to get eyes on that on that show. And, you know, I, I think it's a, it's a bit of a compliment to Sammy in that sense, you know. Well, and I was planning on watching it anyway. I just didn't know what day it was premiering. So I'm glad I found out tonight, at least. Um, so, I'll, I mean, I'm going to end up watching it. And knowing that Sammy's going to walk out with the title at the end of it makes me even happier. Yeah. You know, because I, th- I think he's one of the few guys out there that, I mean, I, I like. There's certain other guys that I absolutely love, and he's easily in my top five. But out of my top five, he's really the only guy that never held a championship. Not a major championship. Not, a major not his singles. Has he, did, has he held a singles championship? Well, he we has his own promotion. Well, I can't remember his, his own promotion name, but I'm, but I'm pretty sure he didn't. He also in, um, um, oh my God, what's the hell's the name of it? MLW? No, the Extreme Promotion. Oh, CZW. That CZW. those don't count. Those don't count. I'm talking about a major promotion that we watch. No, he's, he's never ne- held. A, he's never held a championship in a major promotion that we watch. And he's he's the last one of my top five that's never held not only a singles title but any title. You know, because right. there's Jay White, there's um, MJF, there's uh, Matt Taven, Marty Skrull, and Sammy. I would say those are probably my top five. And then you've got some other guys who are making a strong case for it. Like Darby Allen, <laughs> Jesus Christ, that kid. Yeah, you know, I mean, I, I mean, Callahan and uh, Mance Warner, I would have loved to see them be tag team champions together. But well, and they, they did, and happened. Jim Cornette had to go screw that up. Yeah, because they had something they they had something magical going. I just hope Impact brings him in because those two together were magical. Absolutely. Um, yeah, you know it. it I, I, you know, I saw something about Mance Warner, like, like, you know, people are saying, like, you know, Mance Warner needs to go to AEW and things like that, but you know what? Why? I mean, why does yeah, Mance, just let him why be where does, he's why at. Mance Warner need to go anywhere? You know, I mean, it's, it's perfectly fine to have another promotion out there that has, you know... Talent? You know, ta- yeah, talented guys. You know? And outside I mean, MLW's of... Already, and MLW's already lost a lot of their guys. I mean, they already lost Sammy, they already lost the Lucha Bros, they already lost Roosh, you know, so... You know, I, I don't see why, you know, people are aching for Mance Warner or um, Tom Lawler or Davey Boy Smith Jr. to go somewhere else when really 
right now, this is the best place for them. I mean, they they just got uh, you know the other guy from the dirty you know the guy from the dirty blondes. I can't ever remember Leo uh, something Leo something, um, you know, in there. And you know they, now they lost Ace Romero to Impact. So I mean, it's like I don't want them to lose anybody else. You know, and and really, while I while I do think Impact needs more younger, fresher guys since they've got so many ECW originals. I also think that, you know, MLW, if they lose anybody else, they're going to have trouble replenishing. Well, yeah, and they lost, I mean, they lost Ace Austin, too, who's a future superstar. Right. You know, and I, uh, looking at that roster, I don't know, I mean, there's certain guys, like Tom Lawler has some time left in him, so does the, uh, the Hart Foundation, they all have some time left in them, but they're not young guys. You know, no. and they're not—they're not bringing in the name value. Teddy Hart might, but only because well, of the heart. Brian For, Pillman Jr. is a very young guy. Yeah, Brian Pillman M- is. M- but, MJF is a very young guy. But and so is Richard Holiday and um, uh, Hammerstone. And I mean, those guys are building blocks of anywhere they go. So I hope they—I ki- kind of hope they stay in MLW because I'm still watching MLW as one of the best shows on the planet. From week to week, considering what they go through by losing talent. They are still week to week, probably the best written show. AEW is making a strong run for that, but right now it's still MLW. Yeah, right now it's it's impacting MLW are the top two, you know, quote unquote pro wrestling shows out there. Right, and I haven't. I mean, I haven't watched Impact enough to to see where they're at. I, I do like, I do like the way AEW is is running their shows. Um, I guess I'll have to see more than just a month's worth to figure out if they're in that era too. But I've been, I mean, I've watched literally every episode of, of MLW fusion since it started in 2017. Right. Or was it 18, 17, I think. I think it was. Cause we binged, was, we binged watched it last year. I think it was like January or February of 18. It started and then they had a few specials in 2017. <laughs> Okay, maybe that's what it was, but um, I know that they. As, as far um, as as far as giving impact time, I mean, basically, I, I you know I told the <coughs> person and I tweeted out the other day that you know basically impact is going to get the time now that I was devoting to NXT the last few weeks. Oh yeah, I'm right there with you. I I had no interest in watching NXT this week, and and you and I have been talking about it all week long, and I kept saying I'm going to watch what I can of it because I you know want to want to compare it for the whole Wednesday Night War thing and all that stuff. I just don't think there's a comparison. I don't think NXT is on the level of AEW, and I don't know that it ever will be. No, I, I think NXT just has too... I think the wrestling is too polished. It feels too choreographed. It feels too... Um, it feels too stagnant to me a lot of the time. And like, you I mean, said, it, like you said, we had you know, the Finn Balor heel turn happen. I remember you said that while we were on the air or right before we went on the air, but you mentioned... It was that right before I wanted to talk about it, but... And, uh, um, and, you know, I mean, that's great. I mean, I'm glad he finally turned heel, but at the same time... You know, if if a tree falls in the forest, nobody's there to to see it. Doesn't really fucking matter. Well, and the fact that he turned heel four and a half years too late. You know, yeah. he should have he should have turned heel when he came back from his injury. And they kept shoving that babyface persona down our throats, just killing him more and more and more. It's kind of funny they did it right after the week after they did it, like a big. Uh, you know, it's like two straight weeks of having this big vignettes of about him and how he turns heel the following yeah. week. You know, yeah. if, he, if, he'd, if he'd come in and turned heel when he first debuted, that would have made that would have made a lot more sense. Probably would have, but who was he going to turn heel on, Adam Cole? It, it had to be Johnny Gargano, and Johnny wasn't, because Johnny's the biggest baby face. If you're going to turn Balor heel, it's got to be against Johnny. One thing I did notice last week well, that I, I, I didn't, didn't know, talk... I didn't, know, I didn't know who he turned against, but yeah, Garnet, Johnny makes sense. One thing I did notice is there are very few wrestlers on the planet who are big-time heels. They get injured as a big-time heel and make their comeback, you know, four, five, six months later and can continue to be a heel. Eddie Guerrero was one that could do it. Um, Sasha Banks did it after her. I mean, she wasn't gone for injury, but she was gone for five months. Other than that, is there really anybody that can come back and automatically be a heel? Even Champa, who was the best heel in the business last year, came back as a face. Well, technically, Seth Rollins came back as a heel when he came back, but I mean, it didn't work very well. 
No, it didn't. You know, I mean, he came back as a heel, challenging the babyface Roman Reigns. And there was basically a, a one-match double heel, double turn in that match where Roman was playing the the heel, Seth was playing the face. Seth, you know, countered the spear into the pedigree, hit him with another pedigree, won the championship, lost it right back to Dean Ambrose, and the next night he was a heel again. It was very weird. Yeah, I guess that is true. But he that was a that was a complete failure too. But I guess you're right. He did try to come back as a heel. Even Ambrose came back as a face when everybody was expecting him to finally make that heel turn. It still took four or five months for him to make the heel turn. Keep talking. My dog got herself stuck. Be right back. <laughs> but as far as uh, you know, NXT goes, I, I'm. It's sad because Champa, Champa, Gargano, Cole. I love Undisputed Era. Um, I really like. Uh, Dijakovic and Keith Lee. There's, they've got so much talent. Candice LeRae, Shayna Baszler. It's just almost like Shane said. It's almost, it's too polished, but it's too polished without the the over the top name value that's going to draw people in. Unless you're a hardcore NXT fan or a hardcore wrestling fan, names like Champa and Gargano and Adam Cole just kind of escape your mind. They're not the names that. Yeah, they'll sell tickets for NXT, but they're not going to sell tickets across the board. No, I don't which, think so. Which is it's odd because they're so, so talented. But the way they've been hidden in a developmental system for years keeps them from having that big name value. Yeah, you know, NXT, if they're going to move out of full sale, they're going to, they're going to need a really big angle for that to happen. You know, I, yeah. I don't see how... You know they're they're not going to be able to compete with AEW if they're not a touring brand, because um, otherwise they're just getting the same fans there all the time. And and you know it's just like you know what should we do this week? Oh, same thing we did last week. Mean, meanwhile, like if you're going, if you're if you're only there like every so often, the people are excited to go see your show. You know, like if if AEW were to come here to Minnesota, you and I would be ecstatic and we 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 jump at the chance to go. Right. Speaking of which, NWA is coming to Minnesota. Yeah, this coming or or no, it was the twenty sixth, wasn't it? So it was, it's uh, it was just this past Saturday. Was it really? I thought yeah. it was. Ni- I thought it was November twenty sixth. They said. Well, maybe it was. I thought I said it was October twenty sixth, but. Oh, I I might have misheard. Then we should go. But, right. I mean, <laughs> but, if was, but if it was October twenty sixth, then we missed the boat on that sucker. Yeah, we did, <laughs> and that's that. But why would they start advertising it literally five days before they go there? Wait, did I already say the F word in the show? I did, didn't I? Oh, yeah, you did. You started the show with it. <laughs> <laughs> what did That's I so just tell for, you yesterday? <laughs> so much for cleaning it up, huh? <laughs> so, <laughs> I just now um, realized it, too. Delayed reaction, like, 20 minutes later. Speaking of which, the... the um, station that i was talking to has an internet feed that we might start out on if we do it so okay anyway um you know and like i like i was saying and how could i possibly forget pete dunn when i'm running down the the list of uh nxt talent they've got so much talent they're just so buried they're buried in the field of developmental so people don't realize how great these guys are and then when you're I kinda, performing, I kind of hate that all the NXT talent is lumped together as NXT talent because they're really on three separate shows. You know, I mean, they, it's not like it's not like they have like a roster of talent that's exclusive to NXT. Right. You have NXT you know, you UK. Know, you have Two Hundred Five Live. Right. And it's like but, it's like you know they then they just pull anybody from WWE that they want to just just to try to stack the deck deck against AEW every every Wednesday night and it's it's, it's not even a level player you know fair playing a level fair playing ground it's just simply that you know if WWE feels like throwing somebody on there they do I mean I know, right. I know your I know your buddies uh, Breezango are now permanent fixtures of, of NXT and I heard Which, today that um, that both Kevin Owens and Cesaro might be moving to NXT permanently, which would be honestly pretty awesome. Yeah, and that might actually get me to watch. I mean, they've got so much talent that I already love. If you can add in uh, a couple of top-notch heels or even just a top-notch faction to go against um, Undisputed Era, I think that could possibly turn turn the tables a little bit. But right now you've got Undisputed Era who's just fighting against everybody and then a collection of 
people fighting just fighting like Johnny Gargano what is he doing oh he's feuding with Finn Balor okay why there's really no lead up to it and this was a guy who a year ago was in the middle of a heel turn after attacking Aleister Black right which never panned out (laughs) god I hated that storyline I I fucking loathe that detective bullshit I didn't like the detective stuff, but the the fact that Johnny was turning heel kind of really in, it really did intrigue me. Um, and then to never pull it off, he had that one off match against Ricochet, and then all of a sudden he's a face again. The amazing thing about that feud was how much I did not like their regular one on one match, and how much I did like their cage match. When I fucking hate cage matches, right? <laughs> <laughs> was, I don't know. It was, why that. It, was, it, was, it was like name something that name something that you know would be ironic for Shane to enjoy. And it was that cage match between those two guys in a storyline that I hated the entire thing of, you know? I, I, they do have so much talent, and I love watching people like Pete Dunne, but last week with that sappy little finish that they did with him looking all sad and dejected because he was still laying on the mat mm-hmm. really kind of turned me off uh, of their that style of wrestling. But Pete Dunne is one of the most talented people on the planet. So is Gargano, so is Ciampa, so is, you know, all of Undisputed Era. Velveteen Dream has got some amazing talent. You know, they've got, Keith Lee is another guy who I think sky's the limit for him. And I really like that Dominic Dijakovic. I like him a lot. And then, of course, the women, there's Io Shirai and, you know, Shayna Baszler and uh, Candice LeRae. They've got a lot of great, great talent. I just don't know that they're using them well. It's it's so weird that WWE changed his name to Dominic Dijakovic because it's like, you know, sometimes they'll change guys' names, sometimes they won't. You know, I don't know what the rhyme or reason is behind that, but Dom, Donovan Dijak was such a great name. Right. <laughs> then you have to add extra syllable onto the, onto the end of his name. It's just, and it makes it so difficult to say, um, so difficult to spell. So And, and you, know, you, so, you know, you want to see Kovic, you want to see Kovic, you know, you want to say Kovitz, you know, so I mean, it's just really weird to to think that they that they did that intentionally, changing his name like that. Well, if they um, were going to change, if they're going to change his name just to a punishment Martinez and just keep main, make him somebody completely different. Exactly. I mean, otherwise, or just, Trevor, otherwise Trevor just, Lee's just, another just keep, one. You just keep a reminder of like what he, like his old name and how much better it was than than this modification of his name. And right. then, I mean, and then you know, I I just want to you know say because you know I mentioned you know Owens and Cesaro coming on, and we had talked about earlier about you know guys that had never have never been world champions, and Cesaro was like right up there, you know. Yeah, so is Kevin Owens. Well, well Kevin I guess Owens he was universe. champion. Though. He's well, been NXT champion universal, and universal champion. champion. So. Universal champion. Does that really count? But he was still NXT champion. Oh, that's right. Yeah, you're right. He was. Okay. Meanwhile, Cesaro yeah, Cesaro, Intercontinental and U.S. champion, but never actually held a, a you know a title with a world designation to it. And he's been a five-star match machine for years. Right. I mean, what was yeah, the match that really got the NXT Takeover thing off the ground? It was Sammy, him and it Sammy. Was a, it was him against Sammy. You know. That's and another Sammy. guy who's just. I mean. And I hate to say it again because we we bitch about it all the time about all that top tier talent going to waste. But Sami Zayn, come on, you've got a guy that can move in the ring and storytell like that, who can be a they what they wanted Finn Balor to be that baby face that everyone could get behind. That's Sami Zayn, you know. And then he turns heel and he proves that he can be a heel as well. I just they just they've missed the boat so much on him. Yeah, I I don't know what to say about that. Yeah, yeah, they really did. And and you know what? I I'm, honestly, you know, my big thing with him coming in the first place was he already had a gimmick that was perfect for WWE. Why the hell did you take the mask off? Oh, the generical gimmick. Yeah. 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 My favorite part of that was when he was. I I just remember a match with him and Daniel Bryan where he was just hugging everybody. <laughs> the ring announcer, the referee, Daniel. It's just or Brian Danielson. I mean. I, I really thought it was a mistake to take that take that mask off him in the first place, and I still, I don't know, what, seven years later, I still feel the same way. Well, they got to put their footprint on everything. You know? And that's just basically the way it is. So, um, yeah, it's just, we started talking about Impact, uh, Bound for Glory pay-per-view, and we kind of 
got off track with that because it just well i think we pretty much covered it all didn't we (laughs) was there really anything that (laughs) we missed well, I don't know. I mean, I, I really enjoyed the world title match. I, I loved the um in them in that match. I really loved the that was murder chant after the pilot yeah. Piper on the <laughs> And they had a couple of good ones too during the um ladder match too, where the um please don't die chant and the safety first chant both had me laughing pretty hard. Well, Chicago was on one, fire. It, it, it's kind of irritating when I hear someplace else because you know I was part of the crowd that started that it all in, and I'll well, yeah. someplace else it just bugs me. Same thing, uh, with the, same thing with the whole, um, both these guys chant. You know, that started when I was at TakeOver. So. Yeah, maybe I'd feel different if I was there when it started, but I don't know. I, I, I still enjoyed them. Yeah, because, you know, I just, it was just so, it was just so funny chanting at the same time, just kind of laughing internally that we were chanting safety first to guys that were standing on top of a ladder about to, you know, put it worth a... Die? Hangman Page about <laughs> to put Joy Janela... Th- through the tape through the table with uh, what's now called dead eye you know right I don't know it's just I though those chants made me laugh all three of them that that was murder one was good and like we said you know coming coming on um, coming on to the sh- before we actually got on the air when we were talking about right before we went on the air you know one of the big things that stood out to me about bound for glory was it wasn't on because the rascals right unlike fucking Brian Cage, actually earned a spot on a pay-per-view card. Exactly. And, and I agree. yet, they were in a dark match ended up airing on This Is Impact in the main event there rather than actually being, you know, the opening match for us, you know, viewers. So we didn't actually get to see um, the Rascals on that card, which was very irritating to me. They've been announced... You know they've been they've been super exciting for months, and they weren't on there. And and you know what I I know I th- I keep saying this stuff about Brian Cage, and and it makes it sound like I have something against the guy. I honestly don't. I I enjoy Brian Cage a lot. I enjoy watching him in the ring. Um, I love his gimmick. Um, I love the Wolverine thing he he wore down to the ring. I thought that was great. Being a big Wolverine fan, um, in my non wrestling fandom. But it's simply the fact that, to me, his, his world title reign has been a disaster with all the injuries he's had, with taking time off to have a baby and get married. It's just, it's just been such a perfect storm of bad timing for him to be the world champion that I'm just, I was just, I've just been itching for him to, to not have that title anymore and to kind of rebuild himself again. Did you notice how disgusted his wife looked after he kissed her in the middle of the ring after the match? You know, I I thought with her coming down, I thought for sure something has to happen here, right? So she has to turn oh, yeah. to him. Something's got to happen. But but no, it's just, you know, they're kissing in the middle of the ring to end the show. And it's like, okay, you know, you just ended a pay-per-view really great three months before that with the, you know, with uh, the crowd of cheering for Tessa Blanchard after after uh, Callahan's given her the ring. And right. now you end it with this small, with this small cheap BS. I, I, really, I just, I really, I really, it would leave a bad taste in my mouth. Well, I just, cause he was bleeding from the mouth through most of the match. Yeah. And after, after he kissed her, she just looked disgusted and was wiping her mouth off. I thought that was pretty funny too. <laughs> <laughs> that was actually pretty entertaining. Nice image, huh? Right. But, um, yeah, I, I mean, I got nothing else on this one. I was not, not impressed with it at all. I mean, there were some things that happened throughout uh, that were okay, but Ace Romero needs to just leave my TV. I don't get why you don't like him. I honestly don't get it. I think he's a, he's it's a because... He's also a person. How can you not like that guy? Well, I mean, that would be fine, except for the fact that like Don Callis is still doing the same stupid jokes throughout the entire match. About a you know a big guy that's going to break the ladders. I mean, he did that. He made that. Can that ladder support him? Joke at least a dozen times during that match. And let's not even talk about the the beginning of that match. Just angered me when uh, Daga comes out and he's looking for that uh, ladder underneath the ring when there's three of them sitting right by him, and he goes and looks under one side. Oh, it's not there, so he goes to the other side. And then the ring comes in. Ace Austin does that spot where the ladder wasn't set up well, so he kind of stumbled up the ladder. Uh, and then it gets kind of thrown to the side. And then Ace Austin goes out, or you know, a- uh, AC Baby or Romero, whatever the hell they call him, completely ignores the ladder in the ring, goes out to get another ladder, 
which okay, I, I'm I'm fine with the you know logic holes there, but to have Josh Matthews say that Ace Romero is introducing a ladder into the ring for the first time when there's one laying in the ring, just that just angered me. But it, but he was introducing one of the, for the first time. AC Romero had not introduced a ladder yet. So then say. Ace Romero is bringing in his first ladder, not introducing a ladder for the first time in the ring. It made sense for him to have to go get a ladder, though, because remember how he used how he used one for each side of his body because he was so big. Other than right, a really yeah. Cool spot. Yeah, I mean that that was good, and I like the that was the only good spot that Jake Chris had in the entire match was that cutter off the top of the off the top of the ladder. Other than that, he was just a disappointment. Yeah, I guess he was. I mean, I, I don't, I don't know why, but I just, I just couldn't get interested in that match. Maybe because, maybe because the rest of the card before that was so lackluster as well. Yeah. Well, that that was the one I was looking forward to the most. I mean, it would Ace Austin, Jake Chris, two of my favorites on in Impact, two guys that could. That, that's a, this is a match that they're made for, and they just went out and was such a lackluster performance. I mean, they gave Ace Romero way too much of the time in that show, in that match. Way too much of it. And then they left people like Tessa and Jake kind of, or, you know, Tessa wasn't even a big part of it. She had a couple of spots, but it was mainly Daga and Ace Romero. I, um, you know, I, this is going to sound really stupid, Jeff, and I, and I'm sorry, but it's simply the way I feel is like, you know, I, I had mentioned to you like last week or maybe, maybe even the week before that, you know, I feel like if Rob Van Dam's going to be in a World Tag Team Championship match, it should be with Sabu as his partner. You know, even right. with Sabu being like you know 800 years old and Van Dam being out of shape, the the pairing of Rob Van Dam and Rhino never made sense to me. And so, in that gauntlet match, when one of the entrants was Sabu, that just totally like made me like go like, okay, the rest of the show makes no sense now. Right. You know, and and I realize you know now you know why it ended up being why it had to be Rhino because you could so we could turn on Rhino, but at the same time like like from the moment that that Sabu came out until the end of that tag match, I was like, what the hell is happening here? You know how how could they have booked it so poorly? Um, and then Eddie winning the gauntlet too was just it was so predictable that I almost. Um, I almost, you know, was just like lost with that too. Because, I mean, when when there was three guys left, I mean, clearly, you know, it was either going to be Eddie or it was going to be Shira, right? But no, it was going to be Eddie from the start. From the moment that he came down to the ring, it was Eddie. There was nobody else that was even in consideration. And isn't that sad? There was nobody in my mind that I thought was like, okay, this is a guy who actually, or woman who actually has a chance to win this. And go after a title. This is a way to get Eddie Edwards on the card and get him over. When maybe you take Ace Romero out of that uh, uh, ladder match and put Eddie in there. He continues his feud with Ace Austin. He doesn't need to go on and win a, a, a gauntlet mat battle, whatever the hell it was, with um, you know, just to get himself a championship opportunity down the line no the, the guy who the guy and really the guy who should have won that that gauntlet match and, and see if you follow my logic with this but it's um oh what the hell is his name fulton it should have been that it should have been madman fulton i felt like it should have been him or shira i no, think either been, one of those two i think fulton leads to a lot of great storyline opportunities yeah that um, is true you know because because and then and then you know if say that, you know, Austin's title reign isn't very long and the golden draw gets it back, well, then you've got Fulton as holding that that chance in any title he wants to hold. And then he's got, you know, two guys in his stable are holding the two singles championships. Right. So to me, that would have been, you know, that, that to me is, is how I would have booked it personally. But, I mean, and, and you know, Eddie, the, the problem with Eddie holding that, that spot is, A, a he's a babyface. I mean, even even if he's a psycho, crazy babyface, he's still a babyface. And B, he's so well established in that company. You know, he's the longer, te- longest tenured active participant, active wrestler in that company. That he should be able to get any t- any title shot at any title that he wants to at any time. 
you know, him holding that spot, that shot really is just taking it away from somebody else. God, I just realized that. How sad is that? That Eddie Edwards is the longest tenured guy in the company. Right. He's been there, what, about, what, seven or eight years now, right? Something like that, yeah. I mean, he came with the uh, with David Richards in, what, 14? Yeah, I, could, I, I think it was like or is 2012, it 13? but I, I could be wrong. That's possible. All I know is, you're right, though, but he is the longest reigning. I am glad that it, it, it granted it took half the match before they finally did it. But I am glad that they finally acknowledged Ken Shamrock as the first ever Impact World Champion. Yeah. You know, granted it took half the match, but it was nice that they finally did it. Oh, God. How bad was that match? Seriously. Oh, that was brutal. That was embarrassing. Absolutely embarrassing. From both guys. From both guys. I mean, yeah, Ken Shamrock did some things that you don't expect a 55-year-old guy to do, but look at how jacked he is. Of course, he can still jump over a top rope. Yeah, and and Moose just, you know, he is so good when somebody can carry him in there, but he's incapable of carrying somebody. And and Shamrock at this age in his career has to. I I used to be a big fan of Shamrock, but I mean the way he is right now in the ring, he's got to be carried by somebody. And and then you you're you know and then you you put your young guy Moose who you, you know calls himself a legend, calls himself you know the you know the the most dangerous man, calls himself the best wrestler on the planet. And yet he's constantly in danger of losing to a fifty-five-year-old guy. Right. It's it really it was it was to me kind of re, re, booked backwards. You know, it, it yeah, should have it, been that Moose was dominating the match, and then Shamrock would occasionally get a spot where he could get that ankle lock locked on it, and then and that's where the danger was to Moose is just not getting caught with that ankle lock. Instead, it was like Shamrock was constantly dominating the match and getting the ankle lock on. So what did Moose actually do in there other than just kind of cower and run away and cheat to win, you know? Well, and, it, made, I mean, it, made, it made Moose look completely awful when really he should have been able to look strong against Shamrock. Well, and you, and you said it too. It's like Moose looks great when he's got somebody like Austin, uh, Austin Aries or Croc or Eddie Edwards uh, opposite him. But the second he gets into, we, we noticed it in that, um, I think the first time I really noticed it was in that, uh, um, House of Glory one where he was in that three-way and then he just like quit halfway through. He just pimped out, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, he just he was like, I'm done and walked out of the ring. Um, I think that was really the first time I, I noticed that he is just not... Because the matches I saw before that were those three guys. You know, there was him against Croc, there was him against uh, Austin Aries, and then there was him against uh, Eddie Edwards. Right. And I thought he was great in all three of those. And then I saw that, and it's like he's so up and down with his match work. And you can tell he's a young guy. Um, maybe too young to be in the position he's in, but again, I guess who else are they going to give it to? Yeah, and, and, and the spots they've been giving him are not really beneficial to him simply because he is, doesn't have the talent to pull it off. Because no. the anniversary was against Rob Van Dam. So yeah, I mean, great, he's beating a legend, but at the same time, the match was lackluster. Um I mean, it wasn't as bad as this one. I'll, I'll give, I'll give it, I'll give it that. But it wasn't. It was still lackluster. And now we've got this one, which is, you know, probably in the running for top five matches of the year against Shamrock. You know. Oh God, there's been some bad ones. But this was. There's this, been some bad ones. This to me was just horrible. It's still not worse than the um, Vampiro Crazy Steve match from last yeah. year. Yeah, that was a year ago. I'm talking about for this this calendar year. I know, but when I look back at all time, that's still the worst. And yet you can't watch the, wait to watch the rematch this year. You're so weird. I am not even... If that comes on my TV, I'm breaking somebody's fingers. <laughs> <laughs> that is not going to happen. Speaking of which, we're doing uh, MLW's pay-per-view this weekend. We're going to sit down and enjoy that. Yes. I'm actually looking forward to it. Looks like that's a good, good card. I can't wait to see Teddy versus Austin Aries. That's a match that I'm really, really high on. Yeah, and, it, and this is the Von Erichs against uh, Dynasty, right? Yep, and uh, Hammerstone against uh, Davy Boy. And then we have what could be a bad, pay, uh, bad main event. I mean, I don't know how a match could be bad when Jacob Fatu's in it. Oh, yeah, you put L.A. Park against him. 
that that is really you know and that that comes to mind you know like the like the uh, whole like Conan thing like how how bad that was, right? With the Conan versus Loki and the shanking incident. <laughs> no, the the whole Conan had the phone thing. He was supposed to get those three demands, oh. and then he gets ambushed, and he and the phone's taken away. We never see Conan again. No. And he, we we still don't know what his second and third demands were. No, and and he doesn't have to give them anymore either because he no longer has the phone because he was too stupid to make a copy of the files on there. Right. Yeah. Because why would you? You know. <laughs> <sighs> and here I was just saying how great MLW was, and then I got two bad things happen right there, <laughs> back to that. back, back to back. You know, the, but isn't it amazing how many of the, how many big pay per views this year have taken place in Chicago? Like, you know, we have Not, the OD, we have the Odium on this one, we have All Out, and now this one coming up for MLW is also in Chicago. Well, and you also had um, there were a couple other shows in Chicago too. I mean, you had the the Takeover Chicago, which was one of the better ones. Um, I just think that show. wasn't that I thought what was it earlier this year. Takeover Toronto Two was there. There was Takeover Twenty Five. I don't know what the I don't know what all the all of them were, but wasn't Twenty Five in Chicago, or was that in New York? No, I was in New York. Oh my God! I didn't know this match was going to be on the pay per view. Did you see this? Which one? Jimmy Havoc versus Bestia Six Sixes versus Mance Warner in a Stairway to Hell match. I knew Havoc and um, Warner were in a Stairway to Hell match. It was announced last week on on his little um, Jimmy Havoc takeover. Well, Bestia 66 has been added in there, too, so it's two members Good God. of uh, Los, El, Los Ramos de, Lo, de la Rento. Well, I think, I think um, Jimmy is on the outs with them after this last week. Oh, okay. Because he booked a match against um, Contra Unit against El Hijo, El Hijo de L.A. Park, and Hijo got his ass whooped. Ah, okay. Like, pretty badly got his ass whooped. Like, even though he's wearing a full body suit, you could tell he was bleeding inside. <laughs> Aww. And now we've got Injust, and there's Injustice versus Gringo Loco versus King and Septimo Dragon, which is sad because that means Airwolf isn't in that match. Oh. I know. I think I just saw Airwolf was in Minneapolis this weekend. Probably was. I think I saw there was a card he was booked for. Yeah, I got to see him live a few months ago, remember? Yeah, I know. <laughs> Still jealous. Uh, Low-key versus Brian Pillman Jr. That one has one of the worst lead-ins I've ever seen to a match. What's that? <coughs> well, seen it. Pillman, after he lost to Austin Aries, uh, the next week... Is having an interview where and Loki interrupts him and starts talking to him about how he needs to keep control of his emotions and all this stuff, and then Brian just kind of says no, thank you, and walks off. So now they're in a match. Oh, okay. Um, I mean, it was it was a little stronger than no, thank you, but you know it was that's that was about the gist of it. Right. And then we have Timothy. Th- Timothy Thatcher versus Tom Lawler, which should be a, a, a strong, you know, technical match. Technical match. Yeah, I have no interest in it, though. That's the sad part. Why is that? I don't have... I, I don't... I don't see what it is with Timothy Thatcher, I guess. Ah. Uh, I can see To that. me, he just... To me, he just kind of seems like a average run-of-the-mill guy that they're throwing out there and saying he's a technical wizard. We've only seen him in three matches, two matches. One of them was against Davy Boy, which you have to know what Davy Boy's capable of to realize that's his style of match. And then the other one was was against some no-namer that we've never heard of before. And then he starts challenging Tom Lawler. Right. I see where you're coming from with that. But, but then again, Tom. But at the same time, they Tom haven't had a lot of time to build to build that up either. I mean, they were trying to build. I mean, they probably should have taken a little bit extra time to build this pay per view rather than having it this quick. But at the same time, I mean, once they had the date announced, they kind of had to build some matches to it quickly. Well, and the fact that they had uh, Hell in a Cell or the um, 
uh, War Chamber. Yeah. They had to finish that storyline between Contra and, and Lawler. And, of course, low-key, they were planting the seeds of that for four months ahead of time. So and you know that would have been maybe been a good spot for Thatcher to be there, but they'd already pretty much given the spot to Loki. That is very true. That would have been a good spot for him. Because then we could have saw the two of them work together and see how how they work together. But the way that they had gotten rid of um, Loki with uh, oh I can't think of her name, Delorado, and brought. Contra in to beat him up kind of set yeah kind of set the tone that he was going to be that fourth guy for months before they even announced there was going to be a a war chamber match and Tom Lawler was going to be in it it is kind of weird now that you mentioned it that like the war chamber ended and like none of the stuff from that war chamber has has trickled out to to anything else since then no no it hasn't it's like it didn't exist. Yeah. I mean, like at least like, that. Like, it's like that was the end of the feud right there. And and yes, I get it. Like, like the War Chamber, you know, in a War Games type match should end a feud. But it's still weird that we had like this alliance between Loki and the Von Erickson and Tom Lawler. And now like, they've all gone their separate ways. Well, and if you look at it last year, um, there was uh, the Jimmy Havoc-Sammy Callahan feud that came out of it and lasted for a long time. Uh, you know, the very first one that we watched, it ended up being Carino versus uh, Terry Funk that came out of that match. So right. you know, usually there, in every war game I ever saw before, there was always something that came out of it until this one. Right. Well, and I guess the WWE or the NXT one really didn't have much that came out of it either. Yeah, I still have trouble calling yeah. the NXT ones actual war games. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, I'm traditional. Although Pete Dunne being locked in a cage was kind of entertaining. Yeah, that match was just too long, though. It did kind of drag. Yeah. The only other thing I really have tonight is how much I'm enjoying NWA Power. And I know I said in the beginning that that retro feel was going to wear on me, but I'm actually starting to like it more and more as the weeks go on just because it is so different. The one thing I did notice is that they they keep calling themselves the first uh, the first studio television show or wrestling television show since whenever. Yeah. What has NXT been for the last twelve years, seven years, whatever? How long they ever they've been around? Well, they're they're not actually filmed in a television studio though. They're filmed on a college campus in a college arena, whereas. Um, Whereas the, where they're actually where they filmed the NWA Power is actually in a television studio. Well, how if they're filmed on a campus in an arena, why can't they get more than five hundred people in it? There must be a small arena, I guess. I don't know. It's like an auditorium. Okay, it's still not an auditorium. Is still not a television studio. Yeah, but it's still small. Yeah, I don't know. It said this is the this is the, this is the first small production. In whatever, however many years, and then that'd okay. be a problem. But that's not what they say. All right, yeah, fair enough, fair enough. Um, I did going back to last week's NXT. I did like the um, Daddy's Home chant. Yeah. As soon as Champa said it. That was a couple. Of, well, oh. That was actually a couple of NXTs ago. Was it? Yeah. All I know is I, I I'm a fan of Champa still, and it's hard to not be. But any the NWA power, there was um, there was some good stuff that happened in that again, and this is the third straight week in a row that there's been some good stuff. I'm really liking that Aaron Stevens. I love the fact that he's back to his um, Damian Sandow gimmick. Yeah. Absolutely love it because he was so great at that, and the fact that he's able to do it again is just it's refreshing to watch. Um, and I I love what Eli Drake is doing. I do too, and I, and I and I love him kind of like giving that pep talk to, to um, Tim Storm and all that stuff. I mean, that's I still think we're looking at like probably probably a Tim Storm heel turn, but I but I really like you know where this is going with him. Well, I like what Eli Drake is doing. You know where he's coming out, and you know he's one of the top two or three stars in the promotion, and everybody else is a heel, 
you know, Tim Storm to, is is one of the top guys, but he's not one of the, you know, not one of the w- most well known ones. James Storm is is definitely a heel. Uh, Nick Aldis is a heel, and there's really nobody else out there. And then you've got Eli Drake, who's coming out and giving pep talks to literally everybody. Last week it was Storm. This week it was the other Storm. Um, you know, and he's giving them pep talks and getting them all geared up to go on and do what they got to do. And uh, it's just it's it's refreshing to see his character like that. Yeah, it is. I, I, I agree. I agree because he's just a character. But I, but I just I just love the way that his that his character is kind of le- leading into other people's characters too. Right. You know? Exactly. Yeah, it's very well done, and I um I. I, I don't know what to think of that whole announce or that uh, interviewer that keeps going after Camille. I have no clue what to think of that. Even when he says I'm not going to do it this time, he still does it. I know. It's interesting. I, I I don't know where this whole Camille thing is going because clearly she doesn't have any, anything to say. But you know, at some point, is she going to like just how often deck that dickhead? Or is she going to turn on Aldis, cost him the title? I don't think so, and, and that was kind of weird that you know the interviews they said it to be about his next challenger, but all they discussed was who, you know, they just they just said like somebody could be my next challenger. Goodbye. Right. <laughs> <laughs> a couple of things. A couple of things that. And it's not like they're going to do a pay per view in December or anything. <laughs> right. Yeah. A couple. Th- another thing that really struck me that I I got a really good laugh out of was um, when they announced that Tim Storm was going to be there to interview next. And then they came back, and it was Aaron Stevens. And he, they went through that whole interview, and then they go to break again, and it says, up next, Tim Storm. Then underneath it said, this time we promise. I thought that was pretty funny, too. Yeah, I did, too. Yeah, and, I, and, I, I and, think uh, they... And you know what? I, th- I think that you and I both need to... need to We need to pitch in together and get some of that um, invisible hair cream. Oh, absolutely. And I need to join that guy's wrestling school, too. Yes. Yes, you do. And I, it's it's nice to see Ken Anderson back too, and he I looks had, like he's. I had somebody asked me this weekend actually. So you guys you guys do a wrestling show? How how come you guys aren't wrestlers? I'm like, really? Do you, do you look at us? <laughs> <laughs> All you got to do is look at me and understand why I'm not a wrestler. <laughs> but it's it is nice to see Ken Anderson back, and he looks like he's sober again. So that I, I hope he is because he was he had a really rough time after Impact, well TNA. And it was nice to see him come out and pull and pull Cabana out, you know, saving him, establishing that there's that the remaining attack team. Right, and I I'm still under uh, confused what the hell Cole Cabana is doing. I mean, I got it last week with his comedy routine, but this week, what what purpose did that serve? I do not know. It was funny. Yeah, but outside of that, what purpose did it serve? What purpose does Copa Cabana ever serve? That's a good point. I mean, I've always enjoyed his his, his wrestling in the ring, and I've always enjoyed and I've enjoyed his commentary as he's gotten better with it. But I mean, really, where does, where does anything involving Copa Cabana ever really go? That's a good point. He does put on. He does know how to entertain people. I will say that. Still, the NWA seventy in that four way match with the glove, the glove spot when he slapped the referee. Still, one of my favorite wrestling moments of last year. And that's kind of bugging me too. It's like they did the NWA seventy last year. Why are they waiting until into the fire instead of doing an NWA seventy first anniversary this year? Yeah, I was. The only reason I can think is that maybe it's just because they just now started up. You know, and they're only three weeks in, and last year it was mid-November that they did the NWA 70. Maybe they didn't want to do another November pay-per-view. But that's their own choice. I mean, they were already they already had the partnership going with Ring of Honor. They could have pushed it that way instead of and and built up built up to that NWA 71st anniversary instead of breaking off from Ring of Honor so early and starting a TV show. It just, it just seems like weird strategy to me. Like like if you're establishing yourself as a company and you're and you're trying to get one of the big things is like having regular events people can look forward to 
And you would think that when they started with the 70th with an anniversary show last year, they'd want to keep that rolling for this year. Yeah, you would think so. And that would make sense. But it, that would have been that would have been a good anniversary show for them every single year. Yeah, kind of like all in, all out, and WrestleMania, and uh, you know, she's uh, what are some of the other Bound for Glory? Yep, they've all got their big blow off shows. That would have been a good one for them. I think so. Um, what do you think of Caleb Conley? Because to me, like he's got some nice moves, but he doesn't really have much in the way of a personality. I he, I felt the same he's, way. He's hard to like actually, you know, get behind to me. I felt the same way when he was in in Impact too. He just always seems like he's falling flat with whatever he's doing. Yeah, you know. It, um, no, I can't even think of his. I can't think of his name in, in Impact anymore. But Grimes, you know, Cameron Grimes was, you know, clearly the better part of their team. Well, he was Caleb Conley. What? When he was when he was in in, in Impact, he was Caleb Conley. I know, but I'm saying I'm I'm saying Cameron Grimes' character. I can't remember. His oh, name Tre- uh, Trevor Lee. Trevor Lee. Yeah, he was. I thought it was Trevor something. Yeah, Trevor Lee. Yeah. You know, to me, was always the class of that team. Well, yeah. And, and now, like, it's clear that you know he wasn't just the class of the team. Like, Conley doesn't really have much hook to him. He's he's a he's a strong performer, and he's got some some nice flippy do stuff. But um, as far as something to actually hook you into or make you want to keep buying in and watching him i don't see much there no and i never i never thought there was much with him i always felt like he was trevor lee's lackey and when you see the performances that cameron grimes is doing now compared to what caleb conley is doing now it it really does show who the star of that team was right but then again trevor lee was a star before caleb conley even came into the company was he because i I thought they were both kind of following Gregory Shane Helms around for a while, weren't they? They were, but um, Trevor Lee came in as and had the X Division Championship run before Conley even got there. Ah, that's true. Okay, I had forgotten about that. Hey, it's National First Responders Day today, and my son's a paramedic. So go, Cody. <laughs> <laughs> right there, Cody. Go. You talk about your son all the time, so shut up. Hey, I love my son. Why wow, your son actually stayed in bed tonight? Yeah, he's not feeling the best again. Am I starting to sound like the alcohol is affecting me? No, not yet. Okay. Right. Am I starting to sound like there's no alcohol in my system and it's not affecting me? Yes. Yeah. All right, so anything else for tonight? I don't really have much, no. I, I mean, like I said, it, it, we pretty much covered everything. I think we did, too. Um, no. S- you know, we, we mentioned the MLW show coming up this Saturday. We're going to cover... Um, are we going to do live from... Are we going to do, a, like, live right after for your house, or are we just going to talk about it on Monday? I was thinking about that. I don't know. We'll talk about it more this week. Because I don't know what we'd cover on Monday if we cover it right after the, right after the show. Well, not just that. I don't know how we would do it. We're so used to doing it on Skype. I don't know if I could look you in the eyes while I'm talking to you. I know. It's 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 sad. You might just fall in love. I doubt it. You might. I said you might. <laughs> All right. Yeah, I got nothing. Um, guys, make sure you check us out on Patreon. Um, we're doing some revamping, reworking, reorging, um, trying to figure out how to balance two-plus shows a week. And um, but our Patreon is still going. It's the best way to support us if you can. Patreon.com slash Kingdom of Honor. Uh, we've got tiers for all kinds of all kinds of fans. Um, you know, and, just and Ryan and Ryan has sent us a tweet asking if we're going to do any Patreon shows this weekend. I, my answer, my best answer right now is I don't think so. I don't know. That's all I can say. It's just you know, this is my week with my son, but I also. He's not going to be here Halloween, so I don't know. You know, and then if I we do, we got a crash watch with AEW, which used to be our Thursday night prep night, um, was on Wednesday, but now we have AEW. It's just making life a whole lot more difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, but we'll see. I mean, it, it's something I, I I feel strongly about. Something I definitely want to keep going. Uh, so yeah, I, 
it's go check it out uh, donate to us it helps us out so that we can continue to put out content also um our youtube channel youtube.com slash kingdom of honor uh hit subscribe hit the like button on all the videos hit subscribe uh you know click the views and so that we can get that one up and going and uh twitter you can follow me at Regi Co-op. You can follow him at ZanmanLOP. Use hashtag KOH and hashtag DAD. That gets us to both. That gets you to both of our shows that we do on this channel. Um, and everything I tweet ends up having those hashtags in it. So, and make sure you stay tuned to all the other LOP radio shows. So tomorrow, hopefully the, uh, the Global Revolution will be will be back. I think I think they're supposed to be back tomorrow. Um, on Wednesday, Sports Entertainment is Dead. On Thursday is Imps LP Radio Adventure. On Friday is The Right Side of the Pond. Make sure you also check out the LOP Radio, the uh, Lords of Pain YouTube channel where all our stuff is now being, all the LOP Radio stuff is now being posted um, basically the, the, the day it comes on the air here. And that's all we've got. We'll try to do better next time. This is. Shane saying long days tonight, and Jeff saying goodbye. G1 Climax 27. Goodbye, and good night. Bang. <laughs>